Welcome to Season 3 of Rush of Fear Podcast, where we chat all things Halloween Horror Nights, Universal Orlando's premier scare event. Tonight, for episode 13, I guess, kind of, bonus episode, we are talking to Mark Kleinhens all about Stranger Things as a show, as a season, and as a haunt. So now, let the mayhem begin. What a rush of fear. Hello, everyone. Welcome. We're here. This is a bonus surprise episode, not related to any announcement of new stuff for HHN, because we are kind of doing a repeat of what we did last year when they announced the horrors of Blumhouse. So we're going to be talking to an expert in the subject of Stranger Things. But this time, I'm not alone, because I have with me Maddie. Hi! Did I say my name? My name's Kenneth. I don't remember, honestly. (laughs) My name's Kenneth, and that's Maddie. Hi. (laughs) And how are you, Maddie? I'm doing great. I got a tattoo this morning. Wait, what? Yeah, surprise, I got a tattoo. Another one. For the listeners, we chat usually for a a good while before we start recording. Sure do. And we catch up on work and life and all (laughs) that stuff. And Maddie failed to inform me <laughs> that they got a tattoo today. Well, we were talking to our special guest, so I didn't want to like. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, I got. Um, I have gotten. I I got a bunch of tattoos in college, and then I didn't get any tattoos for like six years. And then last month, I was like, you know what? I should do more things for myself. So I got myself a tattoo. Last month's tattoo was a sword on my forearm. It's Jon Snow's oh, yes. sword long claw. Um, very happy with it. I love it to death. And then today's tattoo is a Last of Us tattoo. Oh, wow. I know. Did, I sent it get? to Lee. Um, I got these two postage stamps that uh, tattoo artists uh, specially created. They're beautiful. I'll send you a picture later. Um, okay. And inside each stamp, it says endure and survive. The top stamp has a fern and Ellie's switchblade. Um, and then the bottom stamp has a different fern and the moth from the second game. So okay. it's very beautiful and I love it dearly. And I sent it to Lee and Lee was like, oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, Well, fun. Yeah. Um, I only have one tattoo. I got it this past January, Friday the 13th, and it's vampire fangs on my right calf, on the inside of my right calf. Mm -hmm. Um, But enough about us and enough about our tattoos, (laughs) because we have a a special guest. You heard him last year talking all about Blumhouse as a studio. Uh, It's Mark Kleinhens. Welcome, Mark. You guys use words like expert and special, and it makes me all <laughs> nervous. But then I get I get distracted from my nervousness because I hear Maddie talk about The Last of Us, and now I want to hear I want to hear her talking clicker tongue for the whole rest of the episode. Oh gosh, I don't know if I'm that talented, but all right, oh. let me try redoing your intro then, Mark. We have a very just normal guy who doesn't know anything about uh, Stranger Things. Here is our <laughs> our just average. A typical guest, Mark Kleinhens. Cool. I, I can deal with that. I feel like I'm talking to my wife. We're good. 
Oh my goodness. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Yes, of course. Uh, I had a lot of fun talking last year about Blumhouse and, and definitely learned a lot about the studio and information that I <laughs> that I happily shared with anyone who would listen to me um, at work because I don't think anyone at my j- job listens to this show. So I was like, do you guys know why Blumhouse is so successful? Let me, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> it was a really up. great episode. I loved it. Oh, thanks. I'm sorry you couldn't make it, but uh, I'm happy you're here. Yeah. Round two. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, a little while back, Mark, you you told me cryptically there's an IP <laughs> that is rumored to be coming to HHN that if it does, I have a lot of information that I would like to share. About. It's, okay. So it's a lot less information. It's a lot more. I am such a huge fanboy. Please allow me. I will burst at the seams. Like, if you won't let me run my mouth for like an hour at least, so please <laughs> let me just talk about this forever. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'd be glad to let you do that. And for the listeners, Mark Kleinhens, you might know him uh, for, for, for fans of Horror Nights and Theme Park. Mark, where, where would people know you from? What are, what, uh, I, I first knew you from the Orlando Informer podcast back when you did that. Oh, geez. I was editor-in-chief of Orlando Informer. I worked for that company for like, what, 10 years, nine years? Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I've written for a whole bunch of different sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently, it was touring plans, but then uh, I ended up getting a new job that I really love and we are working on lots of stuff that I can't wait to share with all you guys. One of them is Halloween Horror Nights. We're hoping to have it out next August, but I just, I'm under NDA, so I can't say anything. Sure. Mm, That's fine. We get it. Yes. I've, I've also signed NDAs before and I I respect them and I respect your, uh, (laughs) your honor of that. (laughs) Well, thanks. I hope to have something out September sometime September so maybe uh maybe I can get you guys to look at that and humor me a little bit more sure yeah yeah always um so I know leading up to this recording you were asking like what's the focus of this conversation are we talking about Stranger Things the series (laughs) the season the haunt and I say um yes uh, maybe, maybe glossing over like the history of the show leading up to season four, because that is the focus of this year's Halloween Horror Nights right. mm-hmm. um, house. And it is the thing that is more, more fresh in everyone's mind. Um, also, let's just get this out of the way up front. We will be full spoiler discussion of all of Stranger Things, all four seasons. So yes. if you have not seen Stranger Things season four, or any you know anything leading up to that, and you do want to watch it before Horror Nights, and you don't want to be spoiled, maybe come back and listen to this after you've caught up on the series, because we are going full spoilers on this. Um, Please. But, <laughs> yes. So, so I guess Mark, I'll just let you take the floor and uh, and and start gushing about this series <laughs> we all love so much. Well, thank you for letting me gush. So um, I actually wanted to start with this whole little spiel. I'm sure you guys have heard this before. When the Duffer Brothers, who are the creators and showrunners of Stranger Things, when they were pitching it to all these different studios and eventually Netflix, they said, okay, we have these different age groups. And the kids are kind of like they're in E.T., the extraterrestrial. And then their older teenage siblings, they're in A Nightmare on Elm Street. And then the adults, including Hopper, the the sheriff, of course, uh, they're in Jaws or Close Encounters. And once I heard that and I went back and I reviewed that whole season in my head, like it clicked perfectly. Like, yes, all those different tones did work. They're all seventies or eighties. So that's even better. Yeah. yeah. And they're but all the, like, well, no nightmare isn't Spielberg, but like very Spielberg. Uh, right. You can feel that throughout the series as well. Oh, for sure. 
And then as obviously the seasons go by, the kids keep getting older. Uh, they went from the seventh grade in the first season to the eighth grade. And then they were uh, the third season took place in the summer before their freshman year of high school. Now they're obviously in high school and they're towards the end of their freshman year. The kids are older. They're getting to be teenagers. And so every season, the horror factor I should say that the kids, the main kids, the center of the show, they're getting older. So the horror factor keeps upping. And finally, Stranger Things 4, obviously, is I I think it's pretty intense by Stranger Things standards. It's pretty intense. So bad, in fact, that my wife is like, man, I can't. The gore of how Vecna kills people, that's a little too much for me. But those damn jocks, those those good old Christian boys with their guns, they're, <laughs> they're chasing after our character. It's like, I can't take it. She can't handle like suspense or stress or stuff. So it's, it's I always like teasing her. She's coming to uh, Halloween Horror Nights also. So I, I think uh, that'll be fun to see how she reacts to all that stuff yeah but anyway um this season like why would netflix and universal come back besides you know money and contracts and marketing and licensing i think it's because of that right like you watch those i think you was it you guys who said when you're watching the the hawkins flashback you you the first thing you thought of was oh this has to be a a halloween horror nights house or was that me in my head adding (laughs) that to the conversation even though you couldn't hear me yeah, I think that was you listening to us <laughs> on the last episode. Um, no, I mean, we probably did say something like that. I don't remember everything we said about the show, but like definitely <laughs> we did we did say that season four feels the most Horror Nights appropriate. Like, like yeah. that's the season that's begging to be turned into Haunted Houses. I've done a lot of gushing about... Michelle has done a lot of gushing about the original uh, like season of Stranger Things, and then I've done a lot of gushing about these most recent two seasons, so three and four. So I think combined, something like that was probably said. But <laughs> I do... I will forever like remember how I felt walking into the season one house where you just walk in and it was the hallway with the elevators and the flashing yeah. lights and the dangling feet and that very specific Stranger Things Hawkins Lab siren. Like, yeah, makes you feel things. I've gotten to a point with certain IPs and, and like me and um, me and my roommate, we, re- we rewatched the first three Insidious movies recently because we're trying to get ready to go see the new one. Mm. And I was in the Insidious house in 2015 and like it watching those movies to me now with like how much like memory is entwined in the experience of the house and the horror nights event now like going back and watching insidious or going back and watching trick or treat or going back and watching like any of these movies that have become houses that i have experienced more than i have the movies when i go back and watch the movie it's almost like oh yeah this is a representation of the house rather than vice versa <laughs> You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. Um, and th- I feel like the Stranger Things season one is kind of like that too, because like I did that house so many times. I was almost said countless, but I do have a count somewhere. I just don't feel like going to look for it. But it was like many, many times that now watching that season back, I, I it's more of like, this is a scrapbook of my experiences walking through this uh, that I can go back and, and visit and kind of get that sense memory kind of uh triggered again whenever i want my 
my key um, moment of HHN interactivity, if that's the, the term you want to use, is goddamn Benny's Burgers. Because <laughs> w- when they announced that was going to be like a food tent or whatever, and of course it wasn't themed yeah. back then. It was just like the sign that says Benny Benny's Burgers. I'm like, who's Benny? And I went yeah. back like, oh, of course, that's Benny. I like that guy. So now whenever I see that, and then of course it popped back up in Stranger Things 4, which was great to see that place. Mm-hmm. It's still derelict and it's all, you know, um, Consec- no, what's the opposite of consecration? It's it's sacrilege. Whatever the word is, it's too. Oh big. yeah, <laughs> they, they, they the poor uh, poor Benny, the teenagers, they all you know do their teenage thing to it. But yeah, that's that's my big moment of like I always think back to that stupid little food booth, which you know wasn't bad. It's just by today's standards, it's really kind of woefully inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they yeah. really came in with the the second iteration of the house for season two and three, and that food that year was great. We actually yeah. talked about it last episode. Um, we were talking about Stranger Things, but it was so good that year because you had the little pumpkin donuts for season two, and then you had all the Starcourt Mall food court food, which was also delicious. Like, I'm excited yeah. to see what they do this year with the food. But oh yeah, that's been a big topic of conversation in my house for sure. <laughs> So, As it should be. <laughs> so we've got um, those tonal that tonal pitch from the Duffer Brothers, which I think I agree. I've also heard that, and and I think they nail it perfectly. Um, so, like, I guess what what's what's the evolution or, or what's the next step of uh, of kind of the progress of the show getting us up to season four and and basically the full on body horror that is uh, Vecna and and season four. Right. And actually, I'm going to pivot slightly, if you don't mind, and talk sure. about Vecna, because it, that's a really interesting character and concept to both, I think. Uh, when they originally started the show, they did the Demogorgon. And uh, of course, their original conceptualization of the show, it was just a one season affair. It was a miniseries, and that was it. And if they maybe did a second season, it would be like Stephen King's It, where it takes place so many years in the future, the kids are grown up, and the Demogorgon comes back, and they have to reunite to take it down. And I, I suppose maybe that's going to be kind of the premise for the fifth season because there might be some kind of time jump. Like we, we just obviously don't know. Right. But originally the Demogorgon was just going to be like the, the shark from Jaws, going back to that whole uh, tentpole <laughs> influence on them. It was like this this mindless kind of, well, it was a non-sentient creature that was still obviously very deadly and very scary. And then when they did continue the story, they got into the second season, they had to do like a whole bunch of Demogorgons basically. And then the big twist there, which I love, is they're all connected in this collective consciousness and there's the mind flare that in control of it. But even the mind flare is still not a person. It's not it, he, he or it or whatever might be sentient, but it doesn't have a personality. It's not going to talk to you. It's almost like Lovecraftian. It's beyond your, your human uh, conceptualization. Mm-hmm. The third season took this little kind of detour with this weird kind of, you know, really disgusting creature that chases after 11. But then when it came for these last two seasons, and these last two seasons really are interlinked. They wanted to have one central villain that they could talk to and interact with. And, and they went right back to Freddy Krueger and they went right back to all the slashers of the eighties. And, uh, Vecna, I think, works in, on that level very well. He's a very threatening, disgusting creature presence. Um, he very much looks like the White Walkers from Game of Thrones, so maybe you should get a tattoo of him next to Maddie. <gasps> oh my god, he does! <laughs> well, they did that on purpose. Well, I shouldn't say they did it on purpose. They went to that sculptor because they were so impressed with his work on Game of Thrones that he then said, sure, I'll do Vecna for you. And so, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, yes. But I think... Um, 
looking at the season, I couldn't help but think the whole time, this has got to be a haunted house. This has got to be. And then Vecna, of course, like walking down the hallway. I'll sometimes walk after my kids and go, Max. <laughs> uh, and obviously, they've never seen Stranger Things because they're way too little, but they kind of <laughs> giggle and run away. And like, I want someone doing that to me. You know, I'll giggle and run away, too. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because... I can see as like the showrunners of the show or as the writers of a show where you introduce first these like mindless more of animals. How can you raise the stakes of that? Um, and the way to do that is to make it a character with, with motivations and like very uh, premeditated <laughs> um, malicious intent towards not just people, but like specifically towards Eleven, you right. know, and, and the, the, the way that they retconned uh, this character as being one. Because I think when we saw that Eleven was named Eleven, I don't know that many like average viewers wondered where are the other 10, you know, like, I don't know. I just kind of accepted that her name was Eleven. <laughs> um, so the idea of one, I think, is a really, really fun uh, angle to take on that mm -hmm. i agree and i have to say i used to work for screen rant for a number of years and one of the guys wrote this article saying what if one the, the first test subject what if he created uh the upside down or what if he was the mind flayer and i'm like yeah get out of here that's crazy <laughs> come on and then sure enough it's just like i i also was a huge song of ice and fire fan and i read all those novels and fans there would be like, oh, what if what if there's a fake Aegon? Or what if the Aegon was fake? I'm like, get out of here. That's that's ridiculous. And sure enough, <laughs> you read the books, you're like, son of a bitch. How do they, how do, they do this? <laughs> yeah. I also, also, I feel like I heard a lot of people say with, with Stranger Things 2, with the demo dogs, that it kind of felt like, um, like the evolution from alien to aliens, where the first one focused on one creature, and then the oh, second right. one is like, okay, now there's like a bunch of them. Right. I and that's like that's the way we escalate from one to two. Yeah, and then three is this kind of weird curveball. Looking back, it's the kind of it's the pivot point of the whole show. It's where the kids start to get older; they kind of drift apart. The things are going on. We now know that weird kind of creature is how Vecna is able to get the power from Eleven a little bit to kind of transcend the interdimensional barrier, and now he can attack people in Hawkins from the safety of his nice little mind palace. In the upside down so it's it's this kind of weird little like i think the structure works very well actually even though it obviously was retconned yeah which is incredible how they did that i mean for you saying that it was only supposed to be the season one and just like a little mini series to now having it be four seasons with two huge episodes that are basically a feature film like them going back and weaving this storyline that they had to kind of like recreate to match everything that they did for season one, two, and three. It's incredible. It's incredible as, and, and looking at it now in the sense of all the writer strikes and the SAG strikes that are going on in LA, like we, how they did that, they are so smart and creative and yeah, you should be paying these people way more because look at what they did <laughs> with this four season. I mean, behemoth of a show that completely changed streaming services as they are now yeah all through just this central monster storyline that started with this little mini series 
back in what, 2017? 16. 16. Sorry, I'm a nerd. No, you're good. I'm really bad with dates, so it's good that you're here. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. So, what what do you know about um, season four of of any anything else? I'm kind of letting you lead. I'm trying to know. I'm trying to figure out the right questions to ask to lead you into <laughs> into your next, uh, you know, nerd gush. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually something I did want to talk about re- relating to season four and why, like, why do go back to Halloween Horror Nights now? And I'm sure there's again there's the whole business world with contracts and marketing and maybe there was a souring of the relationship i actually don't know if how things go between universal and netflix Um, maybe there was some kind of um blow up and then they went back or maybe netflix pulled back they've had a very turbulent last couple of years with their business structure and how uh, stakeholders view them and how happy they are and that's had a huge impact on disney and disney plus and so on and so forth um but let's just assume that this ties into netflix's grand ambition to keep rolling out Stranger Things as a franchise. And I was talking about this actually with my wife on the way home just before we uh, started recording. I think this is, I think Stranger Things is the first time ever. And I I say ever Netflix has only been doing original content for 10 years, but (laughs) I I think this is the first like multi-series franchise they've had, right? There's not multiple oranges and new blacks. There's not multiple house of cards. Thank God. What do you, what do you mean? Multiple series? Well, like with Game of Thrones, that was the first time HBO ever expanded into like a, uh, I guess you could say a shared cinematic universe, like a multiple series franchise, meta franchise, where you have Game of Thrones and then now you have House of the Dragon and they have um, the Duncan Egg series, which I forget what they call it, the the Hedge Knight. I, sorry, I forget. Right, um, right. And they have like five or six or seven additional shows they might be doing over the course of the next few years. Stranger Things is going to have two more television shows after the fifth and final season comes out, whenever that Are is. They? Oh, see, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So, okay. The show, the fourth season, I this is what I was doing when I was madly typing, you guys were chit-chatting. Because <laughs> like, I'm bad with dates, too, actually. I'm like, what are the dates? Um, the fourth season, the first volume of it, the first seven episodes came mm-hmm. out at the end of May of last year. And then July 1st, the last two episodes came out. I like how you call them like a little feature film, Maddie, because my God, they really are, aren't they? They were, yeah. Yeah, they were. It was, it was neat to watch those. Like you had to do it back to back. And you yeah. Have to, right? Yeah. Well, a couple of days after that, they said, we are going to do a stage show, which is called The First Shadow. It actually premieres in London. I don't know why it's London only, but uh, I have a suspicion why. Uh, that premieres November 17th. It'll, it'll eventually come to Broadway and then other places across the U.S. I imagine sometime next year. Kind of like the whole Harry Potter thing and the Cursed Child play, yeah. right? Um, quick sidebar. I think the guy who pitched the Duffer Brothers on doing a stage show, um, he's big in the theater world in England. He's also one of the executive producers on one of my other favorite TV shows, which is The Crown. So oh. I think oh. that's why I think that's why it's going to be in the London's West End only for the foreseeable future. And what is the storyline of this Broadway show? Oh, it's really interesting. It takes place in 1959. It's all about young Henry Creel, Vecna, oh. and all about young Joyce and young Hopper. And I, I don't know if this is true. This could have been the Stranger Things Twitter account just kind of trolling people. But they, they mentioned Lonnie, which is Joyce's ex-husband, the father of her two boys. Yeah. Oh, like he might be involved too. <gasps> and 
um, they got a writer from the television show. She's been on, I think, I think from the first season, she was the body double for the demo dog that tore apart Bob Newby, poor Bob oh. Newby, in the second season. She just happened to be on set that day, and they said, "Hey, you're small. You want to play the demo dog?" And she's like, "Boy, howdy!" And she went in and she did it. All <laughs> bloody. Uh, so they have uh, the pedigree. The creative pedigree, I think, is fantastic, and they keep teasing. This is. So you watch Stranger Things four, you get introduced to Vecna and that whole backstory, and then we're gonna we're gonna not only explore more of that nineteen fifties backstory, we're also gonna put a couple of little morsels of foreshadowing for the fifth and final season. Oh, and when they said that, I'm like, oh my god, my nerd OCD went berserk. Like I like Carrie, Miss Carrie's my wife. Like Carrie, we gotta go to London. Like, like we'll get babysitters for a week. I don't care. We gotta go to London. We got we got. So I really hope. I mean, with the writer strike and the actor strike now, which is an, an unfortunate situation, I wonder if maybe we will have the time to see it in America first before the the final episodes come right. out. Right. Yeah. Um, so if you let me gush for a moment more, I promise I'll let you guys talk. Um, <laughs> the same time that the first shadow, the stage play was announced, they also said, by the way, we're doing a spinoff show. Uh, the Duffers created it and they're going to produce it. They're not going to be the showrunners. No one knows what the premise is. Not even Netflix originally. They just oh. went to Netflix's office offices and said, we have a spinoff idea. And they said, greenlit. Go. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> The only person who knows the premise is the actor who plays Mike Wheeler. He guessed it. They're like, oh, you're never going to guess it. Go ahead, Mike. You can try. Or Finn is the actor's name. And he goes, is it this? And they said, oh, how'd you do that? Wow. I suspect it might be like the origin of the Upside Down, because we know it's probably not going to be the same time period. It's definitely not the same characters. They said the main connective tissue will be the Amblin Entertainment, the Steven Spielberg approach to storytelling. Yeah. Hmm. And then uh, earlier this year, in, back in April, they announced a cartoon show, an animated series. Aw. Fun. And it, it's supposed to be in the style of 1980s Saturday morning cartoons, which um, I'm the same age as Michelle, I think. I think we're born the same exact year. Um, so I definitely grew up watching cartoon, Saturday morning cartoons. I think she would probably uh, agree with me. The, the good old days before, you know, Cartoon Network and then before the internet and then before Netflix <laughs> and my kids are spoiled out of their brains. They have no idea what it's like to wait and suffer all week long. <laughs> but uh, okay, I'm done talking. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping the the spin-off show would be just like an like Argyle's adventures as a, <laughs> like like 80s stoner comedy starring Argyle that has nothing to do with the upside yeah. down or <laughs> Not really, but like that would be fun. Um, pizza boy, yeah, yeah, just, just like adventures of pizza of Safer Boy Pizza. That would be um, fun. Well, there was a um, after the third season came out, there was a young adult novel that came out all about Robin. Um, yes, and it was like Robin pre meeting Steve, and then they made it into a podcast. It was like a little mini. Uh, six episode like podcast and it actually has Maya Hawk reading as Robin and it was the cutest little thing so I'd love for them to do more more like little tidbits like that with all the characters like just a random week at school with like Nancy or I don't know something like that that'd be fun yeah so very exciting um, sorry Kenneth I have another nerd gush please before I you know I embarrass myself further i didn't mean to cut you off please continue i'm done i said i'm excited go ahead <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so uh i was really interested in all the comics 
and novels and the audio dramas, like you mentioned, and the video games. And mm-hmm. um, I haven't worked my way through all of them yet, but I was really excited about all that stuff. And they started to flesh out the backstory of uh, the Hawkins National Lab and Dr. Brenner and who were the previous test subjects, one through 10. And they got like a little kind of ma- little yeah massive interconnected universe there, which is really neat. And then Stranger Things 4 came out and it completely and totally invalidated all of it. Really? Yeah. Just like Star Wars, the expanded universe. And then Lucas came out with the prequel trilogy and it's like, oh, okay, all that stuff is wrong. Oh. Um, and I actually got to interview one of the authors. She was really great. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, talking to her. I loved her writing style. I love the characters that she came up with. I love all the stuff. We t- and I, ch- I, I talked to her about, so what's it like to you know kind of have your work be... Um, I don't want to say invalidated because it really is worth reading and um, it's definitely worth the time. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, the MCU where you have the multiverse saga. It's definitely an alternate timeline. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like the show kind of contradicted the the stories that she told. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's funny because she said that the Duffers, she didn't talk to them directly. There was someone on the writing staff or the producing staff, I forget which, uh, maybe both who was the liaison, the liaison between her and the Duffers. And she would pitch ideas and they say, yeah, sure. You can do that. We don't, you know, and it strikes me very much as a George Lucas situation where he's like, Hey, this is my sandbox. This is my world. I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So you can tell whatever story you want. I don't care, buddy, go have fun. And, and so I think they were supportive and they gave feedback and they were like, Oh sure. We will. Yeah. Go ahead and do the novel and do this. I mean, of course they're getting extra, a whole bunch of extra money from it. Right. 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 But at the same time, I think in the backs, the back of their minds, they're like, yeah, well, when we reveal the backstory in season four, it's, we don't give a shit what you say or what you don't say. Sorry. Right. Like that's, and that's, I can kind of understand that, but then it kind of feels like, well, then why would you even bother letting us do the book if you know that, like, when when the show gets to that point, you're not going to honor what the books did. Right. I agree. Um, that sounds kind of like, I think I heard this recently about, like, when they were making Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, Elizabeth Olsen at certain points would be like, hey, like... In WandaVision, the way we left the character like doesn't really work with this version, like what you've written here. And and the the writers on Doctor Strange were like, "Oh, well, we, like we didn't get to see that show. Like like the people who made Multiverse of Madness didn't watch WandaVision first because I guess it wasn't ready yet. And so like Marvel was just letting." like multiple productions involving the same storylines work without knowing what each other did. And like, that is why one of the reasons why like the MCU has gotten so, so messy and like inconsistent with the connect connections between the stories. And that makes complete sense. Like looking at Wanda's character in that movie, because a lot of people were upset. They were like, well, she had such great character development during WandaVision. And then you just kind of like, turned around and negated all of that in this movie and now she's just kind of like in some people's eyes the bad guy but in other people's eyes like she just wants the family that she kind of created that was taken away from her as a child like it just it didn't make sense so I can I hate that that happened with Stranger Things because I mean the the I don't who was it that you interviewed Mark what was the writer's name her name is Gwenda Bond. She wrote the first novel. It's called Suspicious Minds. 
and it came out, I believe, early 2019. So we're talking like even before the third season came out. Right. Mm. Interesting. That's really impressive how you just had her name uh, ready to go. I'm impressed with your memory. Mm -hmm. I I wish I could take credit. My OCD would love to take credit, but it's the magic (laughs) of editing right now. (laughs) Goodness. Goodness, goodness. Uh, Okay. But yeah, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, getting back to the the whole thing, like you have a stage show, you have two new shows coming out, one's live action, one's animated. Uh, you have all the stuff. Like, and I think Netflix is really invested in making sure that this brand of Stranger Things stays alive. And so, I honestly don't know ultimately how much of this haunted house on both coasts really has anything to do with their grand marketing plans. But I like to think it does because they did have the Stranger Things experience go around, which is like a mini uh, immersive theatrical production, too. So I really feel like um, this is part of an effort to make sure that everyone stays invested in the show, especially now that it's going to be off the air for God knows how long because production obviously has stopped. Right. Right. They had a couple of things. They had the Stranger Things experience that went around for season four, but they also had something in L.A., during it was oh it was either 2020 Halloween or 2021 Halloween and it was like a drive-through kind of haunt stranger oh, yeah. experience right. which I don't know who did the casting for that but oh my god the videos that I saw on like Instagram and TikTok from that the the actors that they cast were it, twins twins of the people cool. that they had in the show. Like it was so good. Um, and it was season four is by far my favorite season, but like right after season four is season three. I just, I loved, and I'm so sad that it wasn't its own house at Horror Nights. Cause I think it deserved so much more, but I just loved the, the eighties ness of it and the neon and the Starcourt mall and the the character development of everybody but especially Eleven um, and I loved Robin as just a queer character who has not been canceled because that is just something that's going around recently is we're canceling all these female queer characters um, but the the drive through experience was season three and it was just literally like driving through that season of the show with all the neon and the music and it was incredible. Did you do it? I didn't, no. But my older sister got to because she lives out That's in cool. LA. Um, but it was just all over my For You page. So I feel like I did it. Just like I feel like I've been to the <laughs> Taylor Swift Eras concert from right. my TikTok For You page. But I missed the second haunted house of Stranger Things, unfortunately. Well, maybe uh, I shouldn't say unfortunately because I've heard nothing but terrible things about it. It it definitely did not live up to the same – for me personally, it did not live up to the same hype as the the house for the first season. I think they spent too long on season two in the house, which to me was the weaker of the four seasons that we have so far. Um, and they didn't put enough energy into season three, which I think was the scarier season um, and the more popular season. But And the more visually interesting season it, for sure, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was – I mean – any Stranger Things house is going to be good, which is why I have such high hopes for this one as well. Yeah, I think there's a plethora 
of material they could use from this fourth season that oh, could just make a whole bunch of I actually because again I'm a nerd and I have this OCD problem I made a whole like a little bullet point list of like what I think like what's the progression of the scenes that I think we're going to get and then I think you guys are right I don't think we're going to get anything in Nevada or in California or in Russia mm-hmm. but man if we did like I I really want that gunfight between the different the agents who work for Dr. Brenner and Dr. Oh. Owens and then the the military officers like that would be a fantastic scene to walk through and have all the gunfire go around you. Oh yeah. Do you want to walk us through that list by any chance? Do you have it pulled up? Am I putting you on the spot again? Are you putting me on the spot? No, you okay. are encouraging me in the worst possible way. So yes, yes I would love to. Okay, great. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's walk through um, presenting the Stranger Things season four, Mark Kleinhand's version, uh, Haunted House for Halloween Horror Nights. The, your Haunted House wish action. list. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, just to back up for a second, Universal has definitely said we're going to see stuff. We're going to see characters like Eleven, Max, Eddie. Uh, we're going to go into Vecna's mind lair. We're going to try to escape his curse. So I really do think that the whole framing will be Vecna stalking us or you know, stalking the characters in the show. And we're going to experience it alongside them, obviously. So I really do think it's going to be based in um, almost exclusively based in Hawkins, Indiana. I think we're going to start with Chrissy and how she, well, actually, let me ask you guys this. I kind of went back and forth a lot. Do you think we would just start with her floating magically in the air in Eddie Munson's trailer? Or do you think we're going to see some of her like psychological taunting and maybe her in the bathroom stall and her mom coming down the hallway and stuff like that? Mm. Um, in a, mm, in my perfect house, I think I would want to walk into Oh, that is a great question. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, how does the season even start? Oh, it starts with a... all of them going to school. Right? Oh. It starts with a flashback in Hawkins National Lab, which I guess that's I... a good point. They could start chronologically. Well, they could start narratively and chronologically, yeah. I suppose. I they could do that first. I don't mm-hmm. they'd have to be that's... very, very careful with what they do with that very first scene. Um if we if we do get anything from that very first scene um, of the show, it would have to be like what we got in the very first house, which was like the elevator and the the flashing lights and the demogorgon and whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would want to see is is kind of the way the first house uh, opened with the cold open of the first episode, and then we walked into the opening the title. title sequence. And then when we came out of that, we kind of jumped into the beginning of the story. So I think I would put Chrissy's death hmm. after that title sequence. Um, okay. I don't remember the opening scene. I haven't watched season four since it dropped. I've watched the first seven episodes while I was uh, quarantining in my room with COVID. <laughs> and then we watched the last two episodes. Oh, you know, premiere night. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Big, big, you know, get together at my my place. And I have not rewatched any of it since. So I don't really remember a lot about how it starts. I remember more uh, emotionally and like key moments, but not in great detail. Well, it starts with the paper boy and Dr. Brenner doing the crossword puzzle. So, man, that would be actually, that would be kind of a cool Halloween Horror (laughs) Night scene to see. They have to be doing this in a soundstage because there is no way that they'll have space for everything from this season altogether um 
but if we if we take away the Hawkins lab and all of them going to school and you know the therapist talking to Max like all of that I do think that the first thing that we would get would be either Chrissy being chased by Vecna or just straight up Chrissy in Eddie's trailer yeah. um that would be an impressive cold open like if you walked in to a dark hallway stranger things logo the music and then immediately into being chased by Vecna. Holy moly. Yeah. Hit the ground running. We don't nah. have time. There's no time to waste. This is a long, long <laughs> season. Mm-hmm. The three hour, three hour, two episode finale. Yeah. <laughs> I actually looked up right before we recorded. I was curious. Like how long actually is all of season four? And it's 13 hours. Give or take. <gasps> My which God. is double. And it's nine episodes. <laughs> right. It's, it's double the runtime of the first season, maybe the second season as well. So yeah, there is definitely a lot. Yeah. Um, I did rewatch. I kind of, sort of got a heads up that Stranger Things was coming, hence my message to you, Kenneth, <laughs> way back when. So I went and I rewatched all the episodes very happily. And um, the yeah. Chrissy's torment and death is the focus of the first episode. So I think that works well. Yeah. I, I mean, I think even regardless, I think that that scene of Chrissy's death is non-negotiable. Like, Oh, I yeah. think anyone yeah. thinking about this haunted house, like that might be the only, no, that and like Eddie on the, on the roof and Max, um, Max is uh, running up that hill escape and then Eddie playing master of puppets. I feel like those are the three moments that like 100% just are required to be in this house. <laughs> like, and the, out yeah. of the three Vecna kills, I think Chrissy's is the most memorable. Um, yes. It was, that one was like, like, pardon my friend, holy shit. Like, out of (laughs) that coming from the other seasons, like, that was just, and in the first episode, oh my gosh. So then after that, when the two other boys died, I was like, oh, okay, so Vecna kills in the exact same way. He scares you and then he just kind of sucks you from the inside out. But Chrissy's 100% was the most memorable and and you have eddie in that scene which yeah everybody will love i'm just worried (laughs) for sure um quick aside if since we're talking a little bit about the duffers and their creative process and how they do things Mm -hmm. yeah they have this tendency which i both love and also kind of dread as a writer um they will write something and then they'll they they never started filming a, a season Sorry, rephrase that. I'm being distracted by cats. When they, <laughs> when they start filming their seasons, they're still writing all the scripts and finishing it up. The only exception to that was the fourth season because they got delayed and delayed, delayed thanks to COVID and other things. Mm-hmm. So that they're obviously able to finish all the scripts before they um, uh, before they went to uh, front of cameras. So they said, like for example, when they were writing the character Steve Harrington in the first season, they were going to kill him off. He was going to be a villain, and they were going to kill him off. And they said, you know what? the actor is so great. Let's change the trajectory of this character arc. I mean, very, it's a very good thing they did because Holy God, that character is magnificent. You know, he's like the star of the show. Yeah. (laughs) And it's funny going back and rewatching that first season and, and like you forget what a villain Steve was in that first season. Right. He was a dick. I hated him. (laughs) And, and now he's like the most lovable, like adorable little guy. And uh, it's just really remarkable that they were able to turn it around like that. He's the babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. 
and Bob Newby was supposed to die way sooner in the second season. And they, they saw that actor and what, how he knocked it out of the park. And they said, okay, we'll keep him around for longer. Yeah. They said, having watched the footage of Eddie and Chrissy, had they known what great actors they cast and what great chemistry they had, they would have changed it around. So Chrissy stayed, maybe she was like the second or third victim because they, they they love that, that interaction they had. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I feel like it's, I, I think that, how early she dies and the shock of that really helps sell the the yeah. threat of Vecna in a way that might I might not have worked if it was a character we cared less about. But also the the storyline with the the basketball boys would have been completely different as well because they wouldn't have True. been hunting Eddie the entire time because you know the the, uh, what is his name? I'm also I'm horrible with dates and I'm horrible with names. So I could watch oh, a TV yeah. show a million times and still not remember their names. What is Chrissy's boyfriend's name? You're asking me? Yeah, you're I'm asking me. I'm asking anybody. <laughs> I'm oh, looking God. it up actually. Yeah, he, I have no the idea. The jerk. You know, he's the jerk. Yeah, yeah. The, the bad guy. The blonde. Jason. That's Jason. his name. Jason. There we go. Forgettable name for a memorable character. That's fair. <laughs> um, okay. Jason. Yeah. Uh, so I think if Chrissy had not been the first one to die, I don't think that we would have had Jason as the villain chasing Eddie, which then wouldn't have propelled us through most of the points of the story. So I think Chrissy dying in that first episode was kind of the catalyst for a bunch of different storylines moving forward. Um, but I do remember seeing, uh, I don't remember. I think it was the Stranger Things writers Twitter account that like after the season aired, they then said, oh, yeah, that scene that Chrissy and like Chrissy's buying drugs from Eddie in the forest that was filmed after Chrissy's death, like in their order of filming. Hmm. And they realized how good the chemistry was between those two actors and what you said you know they wish they had gone back and changed things around and left these two characters to kind of like create more but i think overall looking at the season as it is it worked out in favor of the storyline so I agree. as much as i would have loved to see chrissy and eddie become friends or something more i do love how it turned out because it makes yeah. sense that's the spinoff. It's an alternate timeline version <laughs> of Chrissy and Eddie going on their misadventures. Oh, stop. Yeah. That would be so cute. I am a lover of like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm such a little like fan girl for so many things. And Chrissy, Eddie, Robin, Steve, I'm convinced that Robin and Nancy are like secretly in love with each other. Like, I have so many theories, but <laughs> I do love little things like that. And it's those tiny moments where you're like, huh, that was a look. Was that on purpose? Or like, is that mm -hmm. just me seeing something that's not there? So I'm the worst person to talk to when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> I've I've got a question, Mark, and I've, yeah. I've I've wondered this for a long time, and I maybe you know the answer. Like, where did the Duffer brothers come from? Who who are they? What did they do before this? <laughs> mm. So actually, I am, I, Kenneth, last time we spoke, you said you have all these um, contrary opinions about HHN and horror, and you don't usually talk about them because you're afraid of basically being canceled. Did I say that? You sure did. I, I listened to it today. Okay. Um, you're on the spot, buddy. 
I don't I remember feel... saying that. I think I'm I'm just less interested in horror than people might think I am. Hmm. I'm 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 into Halloween horror nights and uh I watch things that are relevant to that. Um, Me too. Yeah. I'm I'm not horror is not my go-to genre in general for the most part. And I think but. that is a hot take. I think a lot of especially the the older Horror Nights fans of like the original like years of Horror Nights, that is a very hot topic for them where it's like you have to be a horror fan to be a Halloween Horror Nights fan. And I think that's not true because I also I don't I don't not watch horror like I don't not just on my free time watch horror, but it's not my go to just like you Kenneth but I yeah. love Halloween Horror Nights they can be two separate things I think the the live theatrical in your face element and like the design and and set dressing and mm-hmm. performance and costumes and like everything that you get to see right in front of your face at Halloween Horror Nights is what I love so much about it um but you know like yeah. Not to say, I think there are a lot of horror movies that I really love. I, I, I genuinely love the Insidious movies. I think Saw movies are really good. I, I'm not a fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, and I think I've discussed that on the show before, and I think that's one hot take opinion that I think a lot of people get upset. I agree with you. I don't like it either. Anyway, you were making a point. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel that same exact way about... Uh, I, I'm, I'm very hesitant to express my complete adulation and um, adoration for M. Night Shyamalan. I think he's an oh. extremely talented filmmaker. I think, of course, he has some missteps and some duds, as we all do. But I think he's really gifted. I think he's a really smart storyteller. I think he's really, structurally speaking, and also in terms of characterization, I think he's one of the best. And they basically studied at his feet. And I think you can see a lot of Shyamalan's influence in them in how they approach Stranger Things and how they do it. And funnily enough, uh, Shyamalan said not too long ago that um, he loves Stranger Things, but it's 80s homage. And he can't wait to see what the Duffers do next because that's going to be them not working within the specific context of 80s or uh, respect, paying uh, respect to Spielberg or, or whoever else. I think... He said, I think they're going to do something really original and very different. I'm excited to see it. That's interesting. The long and the short of it is they made some movies. um, They went to film school. They tried to make a movie. I don't think it ultimately came out or if it did, it was like straight to video or something just very um, dispiriting to them. And they kind of got rerouted by Shyamalan into television because uh, Shyamalan was executive producing Wayward Pines, a show which I loved the first season. I never ended up seeing the second. I should probably go back and watch that. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Wayward Pines, I definitely recommend it. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's like a little um, Alan Wake, that video game, that kind of approach, like um, Twin Peaks, a little X-Files. It's it's fantastic. Okay. And they kind of cut their teeth on that. And they said, well, why don't we just do that? And they happened in at the right time where streaming was on the ascent and it was considered to be this limitless future, which definitely is not the case now. <laughs> and Netflix said, yeah, we'll take a risk on you. You can be first time showrunners. We'll give you millions of dollars. Go for it. And then the rest is history. Yeah. I just remember seeing the credit, the Duffer brothers and, and just presenting yourselves that way made me feel like, wait, am I supposed to know who they are? What, who are they? Who is the Duffer Brothers? It's like the Wachowskis, you know? Um, right. Uh, 
and I just always wondered, like, where did they come from? So that that makes sense. South Carolina, North Carolina, one of the Carolinas. Oh, that they explains up, why I never saw them. Okay, right. <laughs> they grow up and they have families and they have people. Like they, they have normal relationships and friendships. They're not in the Hollywood. And so every single person, like crew members, actors across the board, if you talk to them on the record or off, not that I've spoken to them off the record, mind you. I just I hear things. Yeah. Um, they always <laughs> say like. The Duffers are so nice. Like they're just they're down to earth. They're very just normal, respectful, decent human beings and they're great to work for. Yeah. So it's that's nice to hear stuff like that. I see they were born in Durham, North Carolina, home of friends of mine in the band Plastic Flamingos. <laughs> Unrelated to anything else, but I just saw that name and I said, Hey, I know guys from there. there anyway. Um okay, so back to Stranger Things, season four, Halloween Horror Nights. Yes. Your wish list of moments right that's what we're i think that's the detour that we were just on <laughs> the whole thing is topic. A, the whole thing's a diatribe the whole thing's yeah. a detour <laughs> it's a bonus episode right yes uh I, in my personal little ideal world i would skip the second and third uh deaths that vecna does maybe kind of sort of acknowledge the third death on the lake we'll get to that in a second i would really focus on max i think her story seeing her in the cemetery floating in the cemetery, mm-hmm. um, doing all that kind of stuff. I think that should obviously be a big part of it. And then, of course, you can get into the Mind Palace and you can get her running up that hill and you can have that song if they can afford the licensing for it. And I, I just think that would be just a really show-stopping, well, potentially a show-stopping moment. Yeah. I think if you can't afford the licensing for that song, there's no reason to do the house, personally. Ooh. That's not even... That's like not even... <laughs> That's not me being hyperbolic. Like, I truly think that, like, if you do this house without that song, just scrap it. You know, like, there's that's what we what we're here for. Yeah. Among uh, among many things. But like, like that was the big cultural impact of this season was the music that it kind of reintroduced to pop culture. I'd never heard that song before. And it's like number one on iTunes that last summer, you know, so like, Uh yeah. Master of Puppets, uh, you know, like a bunch of people who I'm sure were already wearing pink Metallica shirts uh, and had never heard that song before. I got to hear it and we're like, oh, this band is actually pretty cool. Um, I think the music of this season is. Uh, iconic. Like, yeah, it's iconic and it's 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 tantamount if that's I feel that feels like the right word to the reason that it. The, the the connection that people had to this season, I think, had a lot to do with the music and the way that it used music throughout the story. Hmm. Yeah. And they got to the point where they can afford to budget that stuff and they can write it into the script and they can organize around it. And yeah, I think you're right. Um, and then the, the TikTok Chrissy Wake Up song, of course. <laughs> you know how at the end of the the second house they had... Dustin and um, Susie singing the never ending story. They should have Chrissy wake up at the end of the house as you're walking out. (laughs) Chrissy, wake up. I want to hear just like an instrumental orchestral arrangement of that melody. (laughs) And it doesn't have the words in it, but you hear that in the, in the BGM loop throughout the park. And if like, it'll just like perk your ear, just like, wait, I've heard, what is this? I've heard this before. Yeah. You know, that'd be great. Okay, so we enter the house, logo Chrissy. After that, (laughs) I want a virtual walkthrough of of Mark's house. 
oh i i have bullet point scenes i don't have i'm not that um nerdy i'm not that <laughs> I don't have that much free time, to be honest. Sure. Otherwise, yeah, I am that nerdy, of That's course. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> so what yeah, are I don't some have... of our other bullet-pointed scenes that you would like to see? Well, I think the flashback in the Creel house back in the 50s, you see um, mm-hmm. Vecna mm-hmm. doing his first series of kills. I think that has to be included as well, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you get the 50s music going, you get the, the wardrobe, you get that whole atmosphere. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's great. I also think you need to have the flashback to Hawkins Lab. You guys kind of convinced me, maybe move it to the beginning. In my mind, we ha- we save it towards the end so we can get the whole thing, including that epic face-off between Little Eleven and One, and how he goes through the wall and enters into the Upside Down. And that would be cool. I think that would be just a really strong, dramatic scene as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess in my mind's eye, I just realized this, this haunted house has become very um, bit-heavy. Like if you if your timing's off and you miss all the bits, then the house sucks. But I guess you well, know, it happens. Yeah. yeah, with the IP houses, like it's it's going to be the same in The Last of Us too, where it's you know you're looking for those specific scenes from the movie or from the TV show or from the music video, whatever piece of media they've decided to bring as an IP to Halloween Horror Nights. Like it's less about the jump scare of a single character and more of like the big scenes that you can then turn into kind of like a jump scare within the big scene. Um, I'm thinking very similar to like the Ghostbusters house where you have Gozer up Mm. on the, the steps and then Gozer was not your jump scare. Gozer was always up there, but your jump scare was the one Ghostbuster coming out from the side, a spotlight on him and him saying his lines. Right. So like that style of of scene plus jump mm. scare. Um, but yeah. yeah. Which sure. I think Stranger Things has a hard time with sometimes because I want I believe I've heard that Netflix uh, part of the agreement to do the house is that the kids cannot be the ones doing the scaring. Mm. Like the kids can That's be there, but they can't be the ones scaring you. Which I guess if that was always the contract, then I'm confused as to how we got the first two houses. Because Max was one of the very first scares in the second house. Oh, was she? I don't remember that. Yeah. I, I don't remember almost anything about that second house. It was, um, there was Will and it was like a double, it was a fake mirror and he was coughing up a slug. And that oh. was a, that was a quote unquote scare. And then the next thing that you walked into was a little arcade. And after the arcade, Max would jump out with the, um, the She's Michael, as Michael Myers, yeah, right? the Michael Myers mask in her hand, saying That's her cool. line about like all oh, losers, whatever. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's because she is actually trying to scare them in the show that they were able Maybe. to get away with it. Yeah, but like I, in in season one, house uh, the kids are there, and like you might have been startled by them appearing through a curtain, but it wasn't like a like a scare. That's fair. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like the teenagers were, had scares, like uh, Will. No, no, Jonathan. Not, yeah, Jonathan. Jonathan, yeah. Nancy, or Steve. Like they could scare you, but not not the main five. Yeah, I guess that makes little sense. Ones. It could also be a situation like J.K. Rowling, where she poured over the contracts with Universal initially, but then she kind of just—I don't know if she lost interest or she was too busy or what—but she just kind of got phased out, and all of her surrogates got involved, and they're the ones like, "Oh, sure, Death Eaters and Diagon Alley, go for it." 
Yeah. Or she's just a horrible person. I'll keep my <laughs> comments to myself. So maybe it's like, oh, we trust you guys now. And then they don't really pay as much attention. Like, who knows? I really, I really wish I knew. I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. So these meetings <laughs> and stuff. It's yeah. That would be I'm interesting. Sure it's fascinating. Um, anyway. Trying to think of what else. I would love to have the big battle sequence with Nancy and Robin and Steve oh, like yeah, killing sure. Vecna. I have no idea how we could do that because Vecna's upside down version of the Creole house is actively on fire. Uh, but it would be pretty cool because that is we've, a great scene. We've been in burning buildings and houses before. Have we been flowing, throwing uh, Molotov cocktails at a, a floating scare actor? <laughs> mm, not, not off the top of my head. My <laughs> Doesn't mean it hasn't. As cool as it would be, <laughs> it would be an expensive scene in a, yeah, in a haunted house. But I would love it. <laughs> well, either they could route you for that portion into. Revenge of the Mummy, the fire ceiling scene, maybe, maybe <laughs> off, or they just really water it down. But still, you know, actually that scene, I think uh, in my ideal world, you would have all of that whole sequence. So you would have Eleven in Max's mind, like do a creepy version of the snowball with balloons popping and blood <gasps> appearing and stuff. Yes. And you would show Nancy and the rest of them attacking Vecna somehow. And you would show, um, oh God, what's Jason? See, I forgot his name already. Jason <laughs> and, and Lucas having their fight. Yeah, um, I really want to see the rift form, not to jump <gasps> to the end, but like having if you they could somehow even if it's a puppet or something, if they can simulate the uh, the scene where Jason's body gets you know, partially disintegrated from the rift forming, like that mm -hmm. would be just fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I talked about in our in our most recent episode when we were talking about Stranger Things. I talked about that the earthquake in the the end bit, but I don't know right. how they would do it. But that scene is so. Uh, the cinematography of that scene is just gorgeous and mm -hmm. the clock chiming and all four of the riffs forming directly in the center of Hawkins. Like, Oh my God. I just, I can't, this season was so good. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, the scene where they go into the lake and then they go through the, the they go through Watergate. Yes. Which I'm, a, I'm a big political guy, so I love the history guy <laughs> too. So I'm yeah. a nerd all around. Is the, the moral of the story? <laughs> I loved hearing Watergate, um, and that would be a fantastic way to show the Demobats. Yeah. But I don't know if they could pull it off. Do they have the time for it? Do they have the the budget for it? Do they save Demobats for that final assault in Vecna? And you see Eddie on top of his trailer, which everyone wants to see. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how exactly they do that, but I, th I think there was I don't know what Twitter account posted it, but there was a tweet of some uh, soundstage and it could have 100 percent been for something that they are filming inside of the soundstage at Universal. But like it kind of looked like a trailer. Um, so maybe maybe we're going to have him up on top of the trailer just like a little bit yeah. further away. I don't know. Yeah. And then my final element here for what I think we'll probably get in Hawkins. And we, let's be honest, we probably won't get this last little scene, but man, I want it. Uh, the last scene, you think the house is over, you go out and then you're in the community center. What was, I, I don't remember now. It was in the high school, I think some gymnasium of some sort. Everyone's, yeah. you know, Oh yeah. Like refugee status, almost like they all congregate. And then all of a sudden Argyle hops out and he uh, 
he got smacked in the face, man. Or he gives you a pizza or something, you know, like just Argyle. <laughs> yeah. He needs to be there somehow. And he's only in Hawkins at the very, very end. So true. <laughs> maybe though, maybe if in the middle of the mine fight, we get like all the the kids in the Surfer Boy pizza with Eleven mm. in the salt bath. I don't know. I take it. Sure. Yeah. 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 I or oh go ahead sorry <laughs> you're, you're good um the 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 scene where the the bad military is like shooting up um Joyce's house in California oh, and yeah. Argyle like speeds in somehow we like see the back of the van and it's just Argyle screaming like is he dead is he dead yeah, <laughs> yeah. I take that too sure I feel like we need to see the rainbow room and like the carnage that's left in it. Um, that Eleven throughout the season thinks that she caused, but it was actually one slash mm. Vecna. Mm. Uh, I feel like that's a scene that we got to, we got to walk through at least just the room in the aftermath of it. And maybe like Eleven's just standing there like freaking yeah. out. Tiny little baby Eleven. Yeah. Um, I don't as much as I'd love to get something from like Nina or anything in yeah. Nevada. I don't I don't know because it's just all outdoors and in the bright Nevada desert, like anything from 11 blowing up the helicopter to, you know, I would want it, but it would be difficult and I don't know how they do it. I think if we got anything from Ruth, Nevada, it would be Project Nina, the 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 base itself, the headquarters, and the old yeah. missile silo. I think that actually would be, for my money personally, that's up there with the Hawkins National Lab flashback, having that shootout and having that stuff go on. I I think because it's just it's tight and it's claustrophobic. It provides a different kind of scare that we wouldn't mm-hmm. get from Hawkins and everything else. Or yeah. I shouldn't say scare, excuse me. I should say a different kind of atmosphere or, or feel. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would I think it could be effective. But again, do they have the storytelling space for it? Do they have the budget for it? Yeah. And having helicopters come crashing down, oh yeah, for sure. Like that would be <laughs> absolutely would be fantastic. There's but. helicopters flying over universal all the time so they can just grab one of those yeah it's fair so bio reconstruct he gets into the haunted house so we got reruns (laughs) of the mummy and bio reconstruct yeah (laughs) it's just half of the park is stranger things you're just the house is like 25 minutes long it's a full walkthrough experience Uh, i wish um Yeah. yeah i i would be excited i uh, just there's so many characters that I would love to see come to life, whether it's one in like not Vecna form, but like one form, Henry right. Creel form, uh, just because I love Jamie Campbell Bauer. I have since like 2007, but it's fine. Um, Dr. Brenner. I'd love to see a Dr. Brenner. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I just he's so funny. I I love he's him. He's so funny. I okay. The way <laughs> he's okay. He's only funny to me because of that one podcast that I listened to, Stranger Things, because they make fun of him all the time and the way that oh, he yeah. talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a terrible wound. Terrible wound. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a good show. all the t- the streaming things. 
Streaming things. That's yes! what it's called. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've never met anyone else who listens to them. They I'm are so <laughs> funny. And anytime that they talk in that Dr. Brenner voice, I just can't help but laugh. Everything about the child fights and yeah. <laughs> is hilarious because you don't really think about it. But like, why is this random doctor in Indiana so obsessed with making these little basically Jedi children? Like, <laughs> it's very strange. Anyways, um, uh argyle kenneth really wants argyle as do i I am a big fan of argyle yeah 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 um i don't think that we're gonna get to see joyce and hopper which is very sad because i do love their show down with the demo dogs um in the russian prison where they're wearing a matching outfit the hulk hogan shirts um but that's a good scene for sure yeah but for my money like if you asked me what what has to be in this house like obviously now our list is getting to what has to be in the house is probably like yeah. half long <laughs> yeah. yeah but i really do strongly feel like when they enter the back of the russian prison and they see all the demo dogs and the mind flare uh, particles floating in mm-hmm. all those different tanks like that's such an x-files creepy scary moment yeah i want to walk through that environment i want to be surrounded by those tanks and tubes. yeah like, i i want that that is and, really creepy and like the those tanks full of monsters is like such prime opportunity for characters to be in there yeah. and have like a really natural scare setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But alas, I know. Yeah. Oh, well, it is, uh, it is what it is. What, what, what else do you got on your, on your notes of, of your, your gushing? I think I'm all tapped out, believe it or not. Are you really? Whoa. Yeah. All I'm right. spent. Like no, more, no more behind the scenes trivia stories, any of that stuff. Oh, well, I mean, if you have another couple of hours, I'd <laughs> like to bore you with more. I, I really am. Um, Stranger Things really is one of my favorite all time stories of any medium. For my money, I'm older than you guys. So this probably this list will sound very antiquated. But Stranger Things is on the same list as the X-Files or Babylon 5 or Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Like it's one of the all time greatest television shows, I think. Wow. So yeah. I just I'm very obsessed with it. I love the atmosphere. I love the nostalgia because I actually, you know, lived through that time period. The characters, everything about the music. I think Stranger Things really honestly has one of the best soundtracks in the whole history of the medium of television. Mm-hmm. So just like I listen to the soundtracks all the time while I work. So anything about Stranger Things, I just like you can ask my poor family. They're so sick of hearing about it. And <laughs> I have my Halloween Horror Night Stranger Things mug I always drink out of. My my seven year old took it today for milk and I'm like, Don't you dare defile that with milk. That's not <laughs> what that's for. But yeah. Um for the purposes of this of this podcast and your sanity, I am done rambling. I don't know. I'd I'd like to hear one one like behind the scenes tri- or trivia thing about the show, just to to send us off. Your on a, favorite on a fact, your favorite yeah. fact about anything relating to Stranger Things. Um, that the show exists. <laughs> <laughs> they um when they did their series Bible and they were trying to pitch that to various studios and networks and then obviously streaming platforms, uh, they really they did it up in the. Uh, they had a cover for it that was very much in the style of an old Stephen King 80s novel, like paperback, which I think is a really great detail. And back then it was called Montauk because originally it was going to be set in New York um, mm. and not in Indiana. Uh, small town, Indiana, by the way, I'm from small town, Ohio. So we're, we're neighbors. Like it's that's yeah, <laughs> that's definitely my bread and butter. Like, oh, I grew up in that. I grew up in that forest. <laughs> yeah. 
I grew up in a very small town too. I had 69 kids in my graduating class of high school. So I, I definitely feel a very, it's another reason why I feel so connected to the show. But anyway, I'm glad they changed it and I'm glad they, they did all their stuff. But other than that, I really, you know, okay, here, here's one thing. It's not a behind the scenes story. It's not anything besides the fact that I just really love the character of Murray Bauman. Yeah. He's such a fun character and he does karate <laughs> now and it's so great and he needs to be in the house too someplace. Damn yes. Yeah. I think I said that in our last episode too. Yeah. And I, I love that character. I, I'm a big fan of the actor, um, Brett Gelman. Um, he, I think before Stranger Things, he is primarily like an improviser and like a comedian and he would show up as um, characters on Comedy Bang Bang, which is a podcast I love. Uh, so like I know his voice and never saw his face because I would just hear him playing characters on Comedy Bang Bang. And so when he showed up in Stranger Things and he started talking, I was like, who is this? I know <laughs> this person. And then I looked it up and I was like, this is Brett Gelman. Oh, my God. Wait, wow. This is so exciting because like. Uh, he's from the thing I like, you know, like I always feel that way whenever any comedy bang bang regular uh, gets to be in big stuff. Lauren Lapkus has gotten to be in like Jurassic world and a bunch of big pro- movies and stuff. And I'm always excited for her when she does things like that too. Um, so I, I was very excited when, when Murray showed up and I was like, Hey, look at this guy. That's cool. <laughs> he's such a good character. Yeah. Since season two, he has just been, so funny in season two got even funnier in season three like anything relating to him talking to the kids oh my god like the whole code name bald eagle (laughs) so good and then season four it just got even better when he's pretending to be the the russian guy oh yeah um yuri murray like it was just so good He's a fantastic oh, character. Yuri. Oh, my God. I forgot all about him. He's not in my haunted house list. But, yeah, that's another great little moment of color or another different tonal shift that the mm-hmm. season does. Um, on an unrelated but somewhat, like, tonally related uh, note, just because you love these kinds of stories and things that have this this feeling, how do you feel about the movie Super 8? I saw that in theaters. I don't mm-hmm. think I've seen it since. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I have a very ambivalent relationship with J.J. Uh, Abrams. Yeah, um, I, I think used to love J.J. Abrams, and then he he burned us too many times. I think. You know, here's one thing you should do with him. He uh, about a decade ago, he kind of brainchilded a, a book called Us. And I if have you, that. Okay, it's fantastic. It's it's such a wonderful little. Um, mind trip it's it's a great little in atmosphere and story and environment and that's that's a fan t- for anyone out there who's even remotely interested in mysteries and like quasi 1940s novels and existentialism and then riddles within riddles uh, it'd be a good way to to pass the time until you get to walk through the haunted house of stranger things for <laughs> yeah it's a very interesting book it's, it's like it's like a library book where like two characters were like writing each other notes, checking this book out back and forth and like unraveling a mystery and like leaving each other like items in the book that Wait, are actually so in the book cool. that you buy. It's very interesting. I, I, I got, yeah. I think I put it down because I got really confused about how to read it. Like I didn't know if I was supposed to be reading like the book book of it or is it right. just the notes that are written in it? Um, that and I'm then there's the, the, 
footnotes from the fake editor of the fake novel. And that's another narrative. So there's, there's three or four different narrative strands going on that how the right order of reading it is a huge topic of conversation on the internet, or at least it was, I'm not sure if that book is still remembered, but <laughs> yeah. Um, man, we're really going on side. This is a bonus bonus episode. now. <laughs> <laughs> we have released, this will be our third episode that we release in the month of July. So our listeners are just getting so much yeah. of us this month, which is very Most exciting. Most podcasts will make you get good on Patreon for that, but not us. Not us for free, baby. Yeah. Free with no ads. <laughs> Unless you want them, of course, and then send us a message. But, you know, that's yeah, neither here nor there. Yeah, if you the show and you're like, I wish they were telling me about better help, <laughs> um, then, you know, let us know. <laughs> Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you, Mark, for being here. Uh, for, I'm glad that we could be an outlet for your enthusiasm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I am very humbled and honored that you guys were uh, kind enough to humor me and to have me back on a second time, like twice in two years. I, I might be reaching your mark limit for your lifetime. <laughs> no. Thank you very much for having me. What, what, what's the uh, what's the next IP, the next thing that if it comes to Universal, you're like, well, now I got to go on again and talk about this. Is there anything else that, that in conceivably could be a, a Horror Nights IP that you would be equally knowledgeable or excited about? Uh, well, I mean, the X-Files. Honestly. They ruined that, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I could, I mean, did you do, what's it called, Case Files Unearthed, The Legendary Truth House? um, Unfortunately, no. I did not. Mm. Nah. That feels like it might be the closest we get to an X-Files house. That was really fun. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I can Uh, see that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) I have lots of nerd interests. I used to write a lot. I mean, I don't. My writing career is done right now, which is both good and bad. It's good because I'm so busy. I have other stuff coming out. It's bad that I actually, this is why I had to force you, Kenneth, to make me go on your podcast because I, I miss these outlets. You know? <laughs> I drive my family crazy. Would, would you just shut up about Stranger? Would you shut up about HHF? Yeah. Um, I do have quite a collection of little things that um, I had some editors when I used to work at different websites. They'd call me up like, all right, can you, could you please explain to me what this, that's how I got to interview Chris Carter once. Like you're mm-hmm. the only one who's so obsessed about this, that you know, everything, Chris Carter, can you just please talk to this guy? Um, so <laughs> I would list a whole bunch of other stuff for you, but then, like, I'm really embarrassing myself and I just, it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Well, just if anything ever becomes, comes up that universal announces, uh, that's horror nights related, uh, just let us know. And we'd be happy to let you come back and, and just you know an- annoy us instead of your family for a little while and I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to let you do that yes please <laughs> that's the family service that you're providing i appreciate yeah that. <laughs> uh all right thanks mark and uh yeah have a great night and we'll wrap this episode up should we read all the outro stuff manny i guess let's let's do it um, it's, it, it feels like a ritual at this point i don't yeah, know, how I know. An episode if we don't do it <laughs> <laughs> you can start All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And we hope to see you soon in the fog. And Mark, we will see you in the fog this year, won't we? Yes, I'm coming down. I'm very excited. Yay! We'll make it every year, but you know, when I can, I love it. Uh, Definitely. Uh, So until next time, for more content, be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rush of fear. You know, the side note, uh, 
because this is all lowercase, it could also be read as rush off ear. Yeah. Anyway, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at rush off ear pod. <laughs> For more general Universal Orlando Resort news, please check out our friends and UUOP network hosts over at the unofficial Universal Orlando podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. For all of your travel needs, especially HHN, please reach out to our host and sponsor, Michelle, at Portkey Vacations. Just visit her website, PortkeyVacations.com, click the Portkey, and submit your no-obligation quote request to begin planning your next magical vacation. And be sure to check out my band, Pangolin, everywhere that you listen to music online, and follow us on social media at PangolinFL. If you're in Orlando, come check us out on August 5th at the Florida Underground Festival. We'll be playing the first day of that two-day festival, uh, and I, I don't think our slot has been announced, so I'll just leave it at that. We'll be playing that first day. And follow the UUOP on TikTok at UUOPod, where you'll find Maddie creating weird and wacky videos every so often. And if you could please leave a spooky rating and review on whatever podcast platform you are using, it would really help us out, and we'd love to hear from you, the listeners. So... From Maddie, from myself, from Mark. Everyone say bye. Bye. You got smacked in the face, man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. The podcast has come to an end now. Get out. Goodbye.